The Old Testament lesson appointed for this, the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany, is from Deuteronomy chapter 18. And in this passage, there is a prophecy regarding the prophet who will come and be even greater than that of Moses. And this prophet that they're referring to, of course, is Jesus Christ. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet, like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Out of respect for Christ, we rise to hear the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And this will also serve as the basis for the sermon this morning. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message is the gospel lesson, as I read it to you just a few moments ago. But at this time, I want to highlight these words from Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 23. It immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, dear fellow believers in Him. Most people do not like to be rebuked. Reactions vary. But when we're rebuked, we often find ourselves offended. Or when we're we're rebuked, we often react with anger or we become defensive. But usually we don't embrace rebuke 
as a blessing. But all of us, from time to time, require an appropriate, timely rebuke, and we're a fool to think otherwise. Proverbs 9, verse 8 says, Any bragger you rebuke will only hate you, but if you correct someone who is wise, you will be loved. Well, God makes it a practice of rebuking. When God rebukes something, it is his way of administering control and lordship over that which he is rebuking. For example, in Nahum, chapter 1, verse 4, God rebukes the sea, and he makes it dry. He dries up the rivers. In Psalm 106, verse 9, we're reminded of a time when God rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry, and he led the people of Israel through the deep as through a desert. In the Gospel of St. Mark, we're told that there was a storm that descended upon the boat that was carrying Jesus and the disciples when they were out on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Yes, God rebukes nature. Well, God also rebukes the nations of the world. In Psalm chapter 9, verse 5, the psalmist says of the Lord, You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. God also rebukes people. When Job shakes his fist at God and accuses God of being unfair and unjust, God admonishes him. He rebukes him. He says, why do you talk so much when you know so little? Now get, re- get, now get ready to face me. Can you answer the questions I ask? And all Job can do after a barrage of questions delivered at him from God is to confess, who am I to answer you? I did speak once or twice, but never again. And when Jesus talks about his suffering and dying on a cross, Peter takes Jesus aside and he begins to scold Jesus, saying, God will never let this happen to you, Lord. And then Jesus rebukes Peter and says, Satan, get away from me. You're in my way because you think like everyone else and not like God. So yes, God rebukes nature. He rebukes the nations of the world. He, re- he rebukes people, and he also rebukes the devil. In Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, we have this very interesting heavenly scene revealed. Listen to this. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel. He was clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove those filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I've taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. I think you would agree. These are appropriate and timely rebukes. 
The Israelites are liberated. Jesus' disciples survive a perilous storm. Warring nations and wicked leaders are demolished while peace among nations is established. Job is restored from doubt to devotion. Peter's temptation is silenced and God's plan of salvation forges ahead. And Satan's accusations against Joshua, the prophet or the priest, are silenced and Joshua is assured of God's forgiveness. And now in our gospel reading for today, a man is possessed. He's possessed with an unclean spirit, an evil spirit. He is possessed, but he is restored to normalcy as Jesus rebukes the evil spirit. Be silent and come out of him, Jesus commands. And the evil spirit, the unclean spirit, started to convulse within the man. And the man began to shake. And with a loud voice, the spirit left him. Four chapters later in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus will rebuke a legion That means thousands of demons who have possessed a man. Jesus cast these demons from a man into a herd of pigs. Now let's just pause for a moment here and focus on what the demon confesses about Jesus in our text. The demon knows who Jesus is and he knows what Jesus will do to him in his diabolical cohorts. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. This demon knows who Jesus of Nazareth is. The crowds may be confused. The crowds may be skeptical. His own people may disown him as the Savior of the world. His own might even pick up stones to stone Jesus because he claims to be I am. But the demon knows This Jesus of Nazareth is the Holy One of Israel. And in Mark chapter 5, that demon named Legion refers to Jesus as the Son of the Most High God. But not only does the demon know who Jesus is, but he knows what Jesus is going to do to him and and to the dominion of the devil. The demon says to Jesus, What have we and you in common? Mind your own business, Jesus. Why do you interfere with us? Oh, how the demonic world must have shuddered in fear when the Son of God was conceived in the womb of Mary and then born into this world. Oh, how the demonic world must have despaired when Satan failed in his temptations of Jesus in the wilderness. God's rebuke of Satan in the Garden of Eden echoed throughout the abyss of hell. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring and he will crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. And now this long-awaited or this long-promised descendant of Eve stands before the demon. And Jesus does not mutter an incantation or magical formula. There is no mumble, jumble, or gibberish. Jesus simply rebukes the demon by the authority of his own person and by the power of his word. He censors the demon saying, be quiet, literally be muzzled, and come out. And Mark tells us that the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of that man. 
this is just a sampling of the authority and the power that the Son of God possesses. He has authority over the demonic world. And indeed, that is what Jesus demonstrates when he dies on the cross and then he rises from the dead. He crushes the head of Satan. And from his throne in heaven, the Lord rules and he rebukes the forces of nature, the nations of the earth, the leaders of this world, the peoples of this world, and yes, even the principalities and powers of darkness are subject to him. And friends, he, that is Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of Israel, is the one who rules and who rebukes us. We need a good rebuking from time to time. We need a good rebuke when we are overwhelmed with fear and despondency because it appears as though our life has reached a dead end with no possibilities. We need the good rebuke and be reminded from our Lord that He who parted the Red Sea and who dried the ground liberating the Israelites from slavery in Egypt is the one who can part the Red Seas of our life and open up to us all new opportunities. We need a good rebuke when we place our trust in government systems and the fallible leaders of this world, of our own nation. For the one who rules the nations of the world will continue to cause wicked leaders to rise and to fall. And we need a good rebuke when we shake our fist at God and we question His ways. For like Job, we need to be reminded that we speak without knowledge. It's best for us to keep our mouth shut and to simply put our hand over our mouth and to be silent and trust the God who is merciful and kind and gracious who promises us everlasting life. And we need a good rebuke when we deny Jesus as our Savior. When we try to make Jesus into, something, into someone who doesn't die on a cross for our sins. Yes, we need a good rebuke when we deny Jesus so that we don't begin to descend on that slippery slope to unbelief and eternal death. But instead, we want to confess with Jesus or with Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and we've come to know you as the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of God. And yes, we need a good rebuke when we're justifying and rationalizing and excusing away our sin we need a good rebuke so that instead we take a good, honest appraisal of ourselves and of our sinful condition and that we need a Savior. For if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will cleanse us, purify us from all of our sins and from all of our unrighteousness. And yes, we even need a good rebuke when we're beating ourselves up. Beating ourselves up over our sin. God says, stop it. Stop beating yourself up over your sin. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, for the sake of my son, and I will remember your sins no more. So you stop remembering your sins, for they have been forgiven once and for all. In fact, it's in our baptism that God has removed our filthy garments that were stained by sin. And He's taken our iniquity away from us and He has clothed us with pure vestments. Vestments that have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And we need a good rebuke when we're dreading dying and death. For our Savior assures us 
that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more, and neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And we need a good rebuke when we entertain the notion that the devil is mightier than our God and Savior. For St. John explains the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And destroy the works of the devil, he did. Yes, God's Son, Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of Israel, he's in the business of good rebukes. And thank God that he is, for we are ever in need of an appropriate, timely, and good rebuke from our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.